Thank you, Jeff. Good morning. Those of you who aren't familiar with the missions of seafarers, please be seated. We're the largest and oldest international maritime ministry in the world. We have 200 locations around the world and we were founded in England in 1826 when a young priest there was walking along the ships near Bristol and his daughter asked him, what do the seafarers do on Sunday? How did they go to church? So he began a career visiting ships and taking Bibles on board in an attempt to reach out to the seafarers who were in those days working on slave ships, rum ships, and tobacco ships. So today here in Seattle, we meet and greet nearly 50,000 seafarers from all over the world as they come in on cruise ships and principally merchant ships. Part of our team includes Barbara Blakestone, who is our assistant director. Today we have Guy Crumpler, one of our interns who spoke in between the services in the library. So what exactly do we do? Well, seafarers work on nine-month contracts. They're independent contractors. Think of them as temp workers who travel all over the world bringing 90% of everything to wherever it's supposed to be. Think about that. 90% of everything moves by sea at some point. There are 1.6 million seafarers, a third from the Philippines, another third from China, Russia, India, Indonesia, and Malaysia. They work away from their families on nine-month contracts, so most of them miss the birth of their children. In fact, almost every day we work with a seafarer who has a son at home he's never met. Imagine that. They also miss the first day of school, graduation, their brother and sister's weddings, their parents' funerals even. So it's a lonely and isolating job. The average crew on a merchant ship would be between 20 and 25 guys. Only 3% would be women. That crew would probably be from five or six or seven different countries, speaking six or seven different languages, and enjoying two or three different levels of personal hygiene, which makes those ships very small sometimes. They're surrounded by 3,000 miles of water, so imagine a good-sized home housing 25 men in the middle of 3,000 miles of water. And because most of the routes from here to, the, to, to Asia, and that's where most of the seafarers come from, go near Alaska in the wintertime, they endure 18 or 20 hours of blackness and a few hours of gray light. So it's an a lonely and isolating job. So what do we do? We go on board every ship that comes here, every merchant ship, and we take Wi-Fi and SIM cards and phone cards so they can call their families. If they can get off the ship, we take them shopping, we take them downtown, they want to go to the Space Needle, mostly they want to get the heck off the ship. And you can imagine if you've been away for nine months, you need underwear, toiletries, bags of peanuts, all sorts of stuff. They really enjoy going shopping. I took eight seafarers to me from Myanmar to Costco. First time they ever set foot in the West, they get on a van and we take them to Costco, the one under the fourth, on 4th Avenue under the West Seattle Bridge. Talk about dumbfounded. The definition of dumbfounded was their faces. They've never seen TVs like that. They've never seen meat in those quantities. They didn't know what golf balls were. They touched everything, everything. We went by the lawn furniture with a hole in the middle of it for an umbrella that, that fits on your patio, and because none of them had ever seen a patio before, they had a hard time imagining what all that meant. And it cost about as much as they earned in a year. 
And as we're walking by the garden shop, I'm trying to explain to him why we sold dirt in a bag, but I gave up. That's, that's a tough one. And as we're leaving, we show him our card and the seafarers pay cash. We get through and one of the seafarers pulled me by the shirt and said, Big Ken, are you the governor? And I laughed and he said, no. He said, we know there are places like this in Myanmar, but we have no idea where they are. We couldn't afford to go there anyway and they wouldn't let a seafarer in. So to go to a place like this in Myanmar, you'd have to be with one of the most important people in the entire country. So imagine, they come here and they're a stranger in a strange land, but when they go home, they're a stranger as well. So we get a chance to be the face of Seattle, the face of the United States, and the face of God's enduring and unequivocal love to men and women who are away from their families for so long. When we go on board the ship, we sit with them, we talk to them about their families. They love to show you pictures of their kids on Facebook. I think between me and Guy, we've seen every kid born in Southeast Asia in the last five years, and they, they love to share their lives. And they also like to know about yours. If you go on board a ship, if you're a ship visitor, you go on board a ship anywhere near lunch or dinner, you will be asked, almost required to go to dinner. And you might get a chance to go to dinner with the crew and dinner with the captain separately in his quarters as well. Our bishop went on Ash Wednesday the last three years to spread ashes um, on ships here and he told me he always goes expecting to spread some of our hospitality and he always comes away learning a new meaning to hospitality. So what else do we do? Well every year we give out ditty bags. How many of you have been part of the ditty bag program? The gifts we give out, imagine a what looks like a big oversized shoe bag with a drawstring. Inside are toiletries, a deck of cards, candy, uh, toothpaste, all sorts of stuff like that, and a hand-knitted stocking cap. Guy calls them woolly caps. So we give out those caps and the seafarers love them. They can't believe that somebody would spend five or six or seven hours knitting a hat just for them. In fact, last year, our 600 volunteers knitted over 4,000 caps. That's 30,000 hours of volunteer time we got out of just the Diddy Bag program. Think about that. And we give the hats out to, to the seafarers, we give the Diddy Bags out, they're, they're dumbfounded. They can't believe that we would be so generous to them. Guy was telling me when he was at Christmas, he went on a Ukrainian ship, and these big macho Ukrainians with mustaches and all bulked up started to cry when they got a Diddy Bag. And he said, what? And they said, well, we're away from our families and we really don't have good communications home and we really appreciate that somebody cared about us at this time of the year. I once took beautiful red ditty bags. They look velveteen with a gold drawstring on a, on a ship and one of the guys gets the ditty bag, he looks at it and he hands it back with tears in his eyes. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, well, Ken, I've been getting a ditty bag from you for three years and I feel terrible. I'm not a Christian, I'm a Hindu. I say, here, take two and take one to your wife. That's the answer. That's the answer, because generosity is what matters. You know, love God, love your neighbor. In fact, I tell people about the Ken Hawkins Abridged Bible, Old Testament, chapter one, verse one, am I my brother's keeper? New Testament, chapter one, verse one. Give that some thought, I died for that. Because that's what Jesus died for, to love your neighbor. In fact, it says numbers of times in the New Testament, most important commandment, to love God. And it's always followed by 
and to love God is to love your neighbor. How can you love your neighbor and not be present? So we're present. These men and some of the women are alone and isolated away from their families for long periods of time. They may only get five or six or seven days in a single month to call home and they're 17 time zones away. Also remember what jet lag looks like. Imagine a 30-day period, you go from Singapore to here and back, and you spend four or five days in the U.S., and you stop in Korea and Japan and China and Indonesia. The definition of jet lag is the life these guys live. Remember last at Christmas, we had the tornadoes out on the peninsula? We had a ship come in, and it tilted 45 degrees. 45 degrees. Most ships that tilt 45 degrees are filled with future corpses. 45 degrees. They were kissing the ground when they got here. We welcomed them to our center. They wanted to pray. They wanted to call home. They wanted to laugh. They wanted to cry. And if we didn't do this, who would do this for them? And we welcome everybody, regardless of their race, creed, color, religion, ethnicity, rank, or gender. We just don't care. We love them all. Because when Jesus said to love God and to love your neighbor, he didn't specify So people ask me how I got involved in this. Well, I got involved in the ditty bag program. 1994, my wife and I moved here. We're going to Holy Cross in Redmond. I'm sitting there with my wife and my daughter, Elizabeth, and my sons, James, John, and Andrew. And I can tell you, if you name your kids after saints and you marry an angel, it might work out pretty well. So we're sitting there and and the Bishop Choi, who was leading there, how many of you remember Bishop Choi? He He was leading the mission. He was looking for somebody to lead the ditty bag program. So my wife says, why don't you take the three boys down and help him out? Well, that's not a question. So I did as I was told, and we took the boys down, and we packed 100 or 150 ditty bags. There were 15 of us. We had a potluck dinner, and and we had a nice time. Well, last November at St. John the Baptist, we had 121 people, 50 kids, packed 2,000 ditty bags. And in all, in four locations around the Puget Sound, we had 202 people pack 3,000 ditty bags. And we've also given out another 1,000 hats and toiletries beyond the ditty bag program. So these are gifts. What better way to spread God's love than to give an unattributed gift to a stranger? So people ask me why I do this. Well, love God, love your neighbor. Jesus tells you how to do that. Matthew 25, 31 to 40. And Jesus says, I prepared a place at the right hand of the Father. For I was hungry and tired of ship's rations at $4 a day, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you bought me a soda. And you looked at pictures of my kids on Facebook, and you shared my life, and I shared yours. I was a stranger from 60 lands, and you welcomed me like a neighbor. I was sick, and I was homesick, and I was bereft, and you came on board the ship, and you prayed with me, and you made me smile. I was a prisoner 50 feet from shore, didn't have a visa, couldn't get off the ship, and you brought Wi-Fi on board so I could Skype home and talk to my two-year-old daughter. And I was naked, and you gave me a ditty bag with a stocking cap and a pair of gloves, and you clothed me. And the righteous would say, Jesus, when were you in such distress? When were you hungry or thirsty and we bought you something to eat or drink? When were you alone and sick and a prisoner and we visited you? When were you naked and we clothed you? And Jesus would say, that you do to these, the least of my seafarers, you do to me, 
Amen.